All right, let me tell you all something about Anchor. If you ever want to start your own podcast or create your own podcast, Anchor makes it really easy. First of all, it's absolutely free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more popular platforms. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All gas, no brakes. And now we have liftoff. Welcome into the Now We Have Liftoff New York Jets podcast. And of course, I'm your host, John June. And of course, wouldn't be a show without my guy, Frank Jim Piccolo. Frank, what is going on, man? Yo, yo, yo. How we feeling, John? Nothing, man. I'd ask you what you're doing, but I know you're recording a podcast right now. So, um, we <laughs> a little inside joke between the two <laughs> yeah, hosts that's here. My, that's my go-to. <laughs> that is my go-to. Uh but anyway, we are here recording a podcast the the Saturday before Memorial Day. Uh, we're getting ready to have a Memorial Day weekend. Want to say Happy Memorial Day to all you guys out there. Hope that you have a wonderful, enjoyable weekend. Make sure you stay safe. And, but we are here to talk about the Jets, our beloved New York Jets. And you know what, the New York Jets, Frank, they are they are. You know, I went from feeling very upset, feeling very uh, you know, triggered by things that are said in the media about the Jets, uh, especially when Adam Gase was the head coach. But I, you know, it's just I feel like as a Jets fan now, you could just walk out with your shoulders square, you could put your gear on, and just you, things people might say something bad to you, but you just don't even care. You know, you're just gonna keep it pushing because all you know is that you know. Times are changing, man. Times are changing. Are you feeling the same way, Frank? Oh, absolutely. Uh, since Salah's been hiring, I've been rocking my Jets hat. Uh, the other day, I had my Gotham City crew all gas, no break tee on. Uh, feeling good right now. Yeah, man. Definitely feeling proud to be rocking that green and white for the first time in, in a long time, man. And so, as we talked about Robert Salah, you brought him up. We are breaking down OTAs. You know, the Jets did have their first set of OTA practices. And by all accounts, you know, things looked good. Players looked comfortable, looked crisp out there. Uh, but obviously, this is also an opportunity for the media to talk to some of the, the you know, the, the uh, heavy hitters in terms of most important people in the Jets building. And, uh, you know, obviously, the head man, Robert Sala, he he was uh, spoken to and and had a lot to say, um, but you know a lot of interesting things as well. And and Frank, they they talked about hiring Matt Burke to be the in-game coordinator. He was recently he'd recently worked with the Eagles and also worked with uh, he, previous head coach Adam Gase back in in Miami as a defensive coordinator and a linebackers coach. Uh, but there were some interesting things there, uh, especially in terms of how they're going to use analytics. What what were your thoughts on all of all all of that, Frank? And if you want to delve into that a little bit more, yeah, it looks like the Jets are finally getting into the year twenty twenty one, right? Like it kind of felt <laughs> like the Jets have been 
you know, in the past, you know, the Adam Gase didn't even have a quarterbacks coach to help Sam Darnold out. And here we go. And we have a game day coordinator and Salah talked about how he, his performance coaches and how everybody's going to be involved in helping this team get W's on Sundays and Mondays. Like it, it's yeah, really good sorry. to see that they're taking like a overall approach to this football team. Yeah, I definitely agree, man. And you look at what they've done with, um, you know, the what the, the main thing I thought was interesting with the game day coordinator Matt Burke was that their work he's working with the analytics team right now, um, and they're basically going through scenarios that have happened over the last few years, um, and they're sitting solid down, you know, after practice. I guess this is part of Sala's own development. But he's sitting down with the game day coordinator, Matt Burke, and with the head of the analytics department. And they're going through, okay, this is a scenario that came up. What would you do? And Sala has to, you know, take in all the considerations. And he said even the outside variables that the book doesn't consider, um, you know, like weather, uh, how are you playing that day? You know, your guard could be out, uh, things of that nature. And um, one of the things I thought Sala said that I thought was very, very interesting was the fact that, um, Sala said that when they get past the 50, that's four down territory. And I said, whoa, <laughs> you know, we had Adam Gase, who was like, didn't know when he should go for it or when he wanted to go for it. We had Todd Bowles, who never wanted to go for it on fourth down ever. Uh, you had Rex, who would do it like emotionally, like back at your own like 10 yard line. But like now we have. Salah here, who's like, whoa, we get past the 50, it's four down territory. That's like music to my ears. I got perked up a little bit. I was happy about that, Frank. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think we're going to see an aggressive team all the way around. Defense is going to be aggressive. I think they're going to be a little bit more measured than what we saw with Greg Williams. But I'm excited to see a very aggressive offense. I don't think the Jets have ever had an aggressive offense where they said, you know what, screw it. We're we're just going to go for it because we think our offense is better than yours. Yeah, man, I think this is going to be exciting to watch. And, and it starts with the quarterback position. And Salo is very complimentary of Zach Wilson in his you know first few few weeks as the, the Jets quarterback. And uh, he talked about how he's got a relentless mind and he, uh, he's got a lot of horsepower in that mind. And he, he just constantly wants to learn. Um, and, and Zach Wilson, he reminds his situation, him and Trevor Lawrence both have a similar situation to to Joe Burrow last year, right? Where, you know, Joe Burrow knew he was going to be the number one pick for the Cincinnati Bengals well before the draft. And, you know, he, they had given him the playbook. They had gone through those things. And uh, he had, he was basically absorbing that playbook since February. And you look at how, you know, Trevor Lawrence, he's probably dealing with the same thing in Jacksonville, but I'm going to focus here Zach Wilson, the Jets have known Zach Wilson was going to be this pick pretty much since his pro day and sometime even before that. And they even got to the point where they weren't even keeping it a secret anymore. Joe Douglas is sitting there cracking jokes about it. And so this guy must have had access to this playbook well before he ever put on a Jets jersey or a Jets uniform. So I would imagine that we are going to see a very comfortable Zach Wilson, and I think that's starting to show already here, and he's made that impression on his on the coaching staff. Yeah, I, I think that's fair to say, you know, and I don't know how they did it, but uh, maybe it was in those intimary, intim, 
intimary uh, conversations he had with like Pennington and uh, Sanchez because you know no I mean they had those Zoom meetings right like you could have Zoom meetings with the prospects and you could put them on the board and and they the Jets had talked about his recall so they were feeding him stuff from the system before he was ever drafted no I, I, I no I know that but I'm saying the whole, you know the playbook itself you know uh, I, I mean it's all digital. <laughs> I know, but it's, it's also all... illegal. No, I know, but they give they give they give the players they're allowed to give the players packets, right, and things like and things like that. Even when they were meeting at the combine, I'm sure. I mean, I don't know what the official rule is, but like the first time Zach Wilson got exposed to the Jets' offense was not in minicamp. Was not a rookie minicamp. He was getting exposed to it in those weekly Zoom meetings. Even if Zach Wilson's just sitting there taking notes. Right, like he's still absorbing it, and I think that's more what I'm talking about is just that comfort level and that exposure to that playbook, like those, like being in those meetings for the first time. Like he's not listening to the play calls and absorbing all this for the first time because he's been absorbing it through Zoom meetings with the Jets, and that's just my point. How now, if there's ancillary stuff that happened where he's getting playbooks on the side from Chad Pennington, the kudos to the Jets, bro. But like, (laughs) I'm not even trying to bring attention to that. No, no, no. We're we're not trying to bring attention to that. But all I was trying to say is, you know, that Pennington is uh, still highly regarded in the organization, probably more than any quarterback except for Joe Namath. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But um, yeah. What are your thoughts on you know Zach Wilson's you know his his the word that people have used? Even C.J. Mosley had had used this word about him. He said composed. Um, a lot of the people the jet on the Jets beat have said he doesn't look like a rookie. Um, you know, he, he 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 looks very comfortable, more comfortable than any other Jets rookie quarterback that they've seen. And these are coming from guys that have seen, you know, Sam Darnold and, and Geno Smith and Christian Hackenberg. And so, um, you know, not 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 a sp- inspiring company to be in with. But, uh, you know, Zach Wilson, by all accounts, has looked the part of the number two overall pick. Yeah, I think that just goes back to his personality, how he's uber confident in himself. Um, And I think that's a little different from Sam. I think Sam sometimes could get into his own head where, you know, if he started playing bad or bad things would happen, it would kind of spiral. I think Zach's going to be, Sanchez said it, Brett Favre-esque, where he's not going to care. He's going to be like John Starks for the Knicks, where he's just going to keep on shooting the ball. He's not going to care, and there are going to be games where he drives us crazy because he's doing some dumb things. But um, I thought it was interesting in Zach's presser where he talked about him and Salah and what Salah's trying to hammer home about the people that they're building to lift Zach up. And he said that he's not going to have to be the, the hero. I don't have to play hero ball. Um, I just have to put the ball into my playmaker's hands and these guys are going to do what they do best and make plays. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Zach Wilson is going to come in here. He, he, he's not going to be expected to have to to make those phenomenal plays that like Darnold would have to try to make, right? Uh, you know, the talent on this team is much better. Um, so, I, you know, I think from a confidence is a huge part of Zach Wilson's game, right? And I think that's... That's why it was important for the Jets to put these 
pieces of these players around him because it just gives him more confidence, gives him more confidence in the system, gives him more confidence in the staff, gives him more confidence in the players around him. And so I think this is going to be huge because, um, that's a, again, that's a big part of his game because that's what makes Zach Wilson so special, right, is his ability to fit these balls into tight windows. And the only reason he's able to do that is because he believes that he can do it. And so uh, the, the the moment where he st- he has that disbelief, then we're not seeing the same the same Zach Wilson. Um, but you know, I'm excited. You know, I you know I was saying to you before, I've said to you before. You know, something was weird about Zach Wilson. He seemed, you know, after the draft, seemed a little scripted. But um, he seems very genuine in, in his interviews. Uh, seems you know you said it, and I agree. He seems authentic, and so um, I have I have liked that part of it. Um, and he his his response to the Jets playing against the the Carolina Panthers in Week One was I thought very hilarious and a response that I would have given uh, when he said typical NFL. <laughs> I believe <laughs> I know. said that on the last podcast. Yeah, I mean it's just the NFL is trying to be uh, they're trying to beat out the NBA for TV's uh, best drama. So um, you know I think that when you look at his response even then right um you know just even his response when they ask him about the receivers right they asked him i think they asked him about um yeah they asked him how how, how he likes these, this receiving group and he had you know starts listing the guys on the receiving depth chart and was like yeah we have studs on this team and, you know it's just he you could just tell that he people are excited to be around him his teammates are excited to be around him and so i think this is definitely something to be excited about going forward yeah, you could tell that he has that infectious personality where guys want to play with him and play hard for him. It's just exciting to watch. So are, are you off the bandwagon of his team is driving his pressers and driving his number selection? Oh, that you mean my conspiracy theory? Yeah, uh, I'm I've I've uh, I've already I've officially closed the book. My investigation is done. I have all the data and all the the information I need to to come to a conclusion. So, Zach Wilson authentic his team and his his uh I don't even I didn't even really have a name for them, but his uh his entourage wasn't is not behind his number selection and and the words that he he uses at his at his press conference. Yeah, that I thought that was pretty ridiculous, but what I did find (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. We went back and forth for like an hour on that. (laughs) Well, this is the first time the listeners are hearing about this. I know. Yes, I did have this conspiracy theory, so uh, only Frank knew about it, but yeah. Go on. Go ahead. Carry on. I call it the magic bullet theory, but uh, when Zach was talking uh, the other day, he talked... uh, I think Costello asked him about uh, Makai Becton, and Zach's response was, well, he's a lot bigger in person than he is on tape. And then they talked about Vera Tucker. Um, but Zach made a point to say, listen, the left side's going to be going to be good, but I think a lot of people are sleeping on the right side. He said the right side is going to be just as good, if not better, than the left side. And I thought that was... Yeah, I don't, know. I don't know if it could be better, but it could be good. It yeah, could definitely be but good. But I just... Oh. It, to me, that's, that's the confidence. Yeah, it, yeah, neither here is there for me. I think he just knows that he has to make sure his linemen, um, 
his has his has his back. So even more so the linemen, you know, because there's been so much talk about how the Jets needed to do more for on the offensive line, how the right side is going to be the Achilles heel of the offensive line. And I think it was important for him to go out in public and let those guys know that he has their back. No, absolutely, definitely. And I think the other person who was interesting to hear from because we hadn't heard from him since he got hired, uh, that was Mike LaFleur, offensive coordinator for the New York Jets. And he had a lot of interesting things to say about Zach Wilson. Um, and, you know, I think one of the things that I, that stuck out to me the most where they asked him, you know, about uh, what are the, you know, of all the things that Zach Wilson does, what are the things that, you know, you can't coach that you, you really like about him? And the two things he said, one physical, one mental, was, you know, the physical part was the ability that he has to throw from different arm slots and different arm angles. And completely unprompted, Mike LaFleur brought up Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers when he brought up, you know, the how this is something that the game uh, it's been it's been noticed re- more recently because of those two guys, but it's always been something that's important, um, and you can't really coach it. You might tell a guy in a situation like, "Hey, in the short game, you might need to, you know, position your arm angle this way." But Zach Wilson does it in such a natural way, and uh, you, you know, he, he's such a natural thrower of the football. And then the mental part was just the fact that the the knowledge that he has and in the the thirst for the knowledge that he has and you know they feel like if 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 a guy comes in and studies if a quarterback comes in and studies two to three hours a day that's that's good enough you know the coaches would think that's acceptable um, but to Zach that's not enough and so he just wants to study more he wants to know more um, and you know he takes he puts a, a big responsibility on himself to make sure he knows his responsibilities, but also the responsibilities of the guys around him. And so I think that's something that's huge. And and I think it's something that's real when you hear, you know, you've heard Sala talk about it twice now uh, between rookie minicamp and now OTAs. Uh, Actually, Joe Douglas even spoke about it, um, you know, when they drafted him. And, you know, now Michael LaFleur is talking about it again. And so I think this is something that's very real. I think, you know, you know, this is something that I think we've also heard about even before he was drafted about how Zach Wilson has ADHD and it makes it really difficult. For, it made it really difficult for him to study in school. But when it comes to studying for football, his he feels like his ADHD helps him because he's just so in love and so passionate about football that he, he just wants to study and watch film and get better to the point where Mike LaFleur's brother, Matt LaFleur, said that hey don't you don't want to burn this kid out and Mike LaFleur is like hey it's not me it's this kid he you know he he just he can't stop wanting to learn and watch film so what are your thoughts on that Frank I love that right because that's that's what a fan wants to hear right they don't want to hear you know like you saw with Sanchez who loved going out and we don't know how much that of tape that Sam um not Sam that Mark was watching but from all accounts Zach just wants to study the playbook, put himself in the best position to win, and just ball out. It seems like that's all he cares about. And it seems like Joe Douglas and Sala, that's the type of guys that they brought in this offseason. Guys that just love football. That that's all they care about. Yeah, and so I think that's huge and, and you heard they asked Zach Wilson about it, um, and his response was because I, I don't want to let my teammates down. I want to show them that, 
you know, he's like, you know, playing this game is hard enough as it is, but I, I want to be able to make sure I can control what I can control, which is how much work he puts in and how much he studies and how much he prepares. Um, and he owes that to his teammates. So I think this is, this is again, like you said, if you're a fan of a team, this is what you want to hear, especially about your quarterback. You know, we've already, you know, I've already gone out and compared him from a leadership standpoint to guys like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and, but now you talk about the mental aspect. I'm not saying he is those guys, but I'm just saying or that he will be in the Hall of Fame or anything like that. But what I am saying is that when you when you hear when you when you hear these things about your quarterback, it's comforting as opposed to like you said, you know, Mark Sanchez or even Sam, you know, getting going out getting mono or making out with a chick or whatever it is, right? Um or like Geno Smith, the countless things that he that he did, right? Getting punched so, in the face by his teammate. Yeah, right. Like you know, so if you're gonna hear things about your quarterback, like pick the things that you. If you were to pick the things that you would want to hear about your quarterback, it would obviously be the things that we're hearing about Zach Wilson. And so, you know, I think this is gonna be huge. I think it's gonna be. Um, you know, it's going to be invigorating, and and, and C.J. Mosley had talked about that. He talked about how there's it feels different, the vibes are different, uh, how Robert Sala has that effect, that impact on, on the football team, the entire football team, not just a defense or an offense or one side of the football. He has that impact on the entire football team where you just feel the energy from day one. And uh, what are your thoughts on that, Frank, and, and how do you feel about getting C.J. Mosley back? Oh, that's huge. You heard, you could tell by even LaFleur, like the type of offensive coordinator LaFleur is going to be, how much energy he speaks of. You know, he was talking about how Corey Davis is going to be good in the play action, and he talked about Denzel Mims and how he didn't realize how big Denzel Mims was, and he kind of looks like Kevin Durant with that huge wingspan. And me and you always talk about how you want your receivers to be like a basketball team. Everybody doing having their own job and everyone being different, but filling the whole team out. I don't know. Everybody feels it. If the fans feel different, you know, you're not ashamed to wear your Jets hat anymore, you know, and who knows if it's going to translate into wins right away. I don't know. You don't know. The guy down the street don't know. But all I know is that it feels different, you know, and that's what I'm trying to tell my friends that, are older Jet fans that are impatient because they haven't seen the Jets in the Super Bowl since 1969, is that we're going to have to have a little patience here. This is the youngest team in the NFL, and we're going to have bumps in the road because of it. They're going to be stupid penalties. They're going to be some drop passes. They're going to be missed tackles. But I think this team is going to play with a lot more energy than what we saw under Adam Gase. I don't think you're going to see a head coach that's sitting on the bench six feet away from everybody with his head in his play sheet trying to figure out the perfect play to call. Yeah, man, I'm definitely, it's definitely exciting. Uh, definitely look forward to watching this team on the field. I, again, if there are going to be some surprise wins, it's going to be for two reasons, in my opinion. One, it's going to be because this defensive line is absolutely absurd, right? Like, you, like we're talking about San Fran level absurdity, absurdity from this defensive line. Um, that's what you're gonna need if this if this off, if this team has a chance. And then offensively, you're gonna need Zach Wilson to really be that dude. And I think like 
it's going to be somewhere between like Baker Mayfield rookie year level of production um when you know he had thrown 20 I think it was 28 touchdowns and and 12 or 14 interceptions or something like that or Justin Herbert level production right it's going to be it's going you're going to have to get something like that um, if this de- if this team is going to have any any real success, and you're need gonna you're gonna need C.J. Mosley to be a bad man in the middle of that defense. So Frank, I asked you the question. I don't think you answered it, but what are your thoughts on C.J. Mosley? What do you think the impact could be in 2021? Uh, I know we've talked about him before, but you know after hearing him speak and seeing where his mind is at and and getting an idea of the players that are around him, how do you think he fits into this defense? Mosley's always been one of my favorite defensive players, even when he was coming out of Alabama. He's just an animal. And he fits that mold of football players that just ball. And I kind of look at him like a free agent acquisition, being that he's only played in a handful of games uh, for us since he signed that mega contract. And when he was talking... Four and a half quarters or six and a half, six quarters, something like that. Yeah, something, <laughs> something like that. But he was talking about how the 19 season was really disappointing because he was probably having the best game of his career up in Buffalo before he got that uh, core slash groin injury. Groin injury, yep. Um, and then he had the surgery on that. And so hopefully we get that linebacker that we saw in Baltimore where he's all over the field playing that. Mike and Will position in this defense and really wrecking havoc on opposing offenses. Yeah, and I think that Mosley fits into this defense so well. I mean, Mosley is the kind of player he could have played in any era, like honestly, uh, because he's just he's just that good of a player. Uh, and so, you know, they asked him about, you know, what do you prefer, 3-4 or 4-3? He said, look, man, I'm a linebacker. I'm a defensive player. I play, I play defense. Play, play me wherever. You know, and he's talking about how he's learning. They're learning all the linebacker spots, and he's bouncing between Mike and Will. Uh, you and I had an interesting discussion off off air before, where maybe Jared Davis could fit into this Sam linebacker spot. Uh, and now you have uh, Mosley as your Mike, and maybe Nazrul Dean competes with Blake Cashman and and Jamie and Sherwood for that Will spot. Um, but you know, like I think they're building a really, you know, they their corners are going to. Their corners are not going to be great, right? We understand that. But you look at what they've built from the rest of the defense, right? And you look at this defense in the past, it's played pretty well, right, at times, right? Um, and the strength of it, the strength of this team, if you had to look across the, the you know, the, the, the roster and you had to say which, which team, you know, if you were drafting players, which team would you like end up not drafting the the least players too, or which team would you end up, which position group would you draft the least amount of players to? It will be the defensive line, right? Like that defensive line is loaded as loaded can get. And, you know, you could say, oh, well, we could use another edge, but Carl Lawson is probably the best edge that they've had here since Jonathan Abraham. So you look at this defensive line, it is a very, very deep, deep group. I mean, the one, the first group and the second group could probably start for most, um, most defensive lines, especially on the interior. When you look at guys like Quinnen Williams, you look at John Franklin Myers, Sheldon Rankins, Foley Fadukasi, Nathan Shepard, 
the list goes on and on, right? And so I think you could, and then you look at what they're building from a linebacker and a safety perspective. Obviously, corners are a weak spot, but this defense is secondary in this defensive back seven, front seven. The versatility, I think, is what sticks out the most. And you're just going to have guys flying around making plays with like their hairs on fire. Yeah, man. And when you talk about the interior, you forgot about Sheldon Rankins and Vinnie Curry. So, did I not mention Rankins? No, you didn't mention either of them. Wow, that's crazy. I know I didn't mention Vinnie Curry because uh, I was going to get there, but I was going to actually, I knew I was going to leave it for you because I didn't really touch the edge guys. But yeah, no, Vinnie Curry can definitely rotate in on the interior. I can't believe I didn't mention Sheldon Rankins, so that's crazy. But when you when you talk about that, you're going to make a lot of these teams that we face one-dimensional. And that's the problem the Jets had last year, right? Was that we couldn't run the ball worth a lick. So the teams knew at third and six, third and eight, that we've got to throw the ball. So now Lawson can pin his ears back. Nazardine was probably going to be in at that point. And he's probably going to possibly be blitzing. And now you're putting pressure on the quarterback, which makes errant throws. And hopefully we could cause some turnovers, which in turn make short fields for Zach Wilson in the offense. And hopefully we could put more points on the board. Yeah, definitely. That's definitely the hope there. Uh, and then, you know, obviously, again, I think, you know, the one of the things that's underrated about this defensive line with the versatility is you could take a guy like Quinnen where before Quinnen had to be in one spot most times. You could say, hey, Quinnen, go get the best matchup. Because you could have Foley Fadikasi playing the one technique and Quinnen playing the three. Or if you if you want to put Quinnen on the center, you could have Sheldon Rankins come in and play the three technique. Or if you want to get uh, you know, Carl Lawson a matchup, you could put Vinny Curry on one edge and you could put Bryce Huff. You could bring Bryce Huff in if you want to spell Lawson. Like there's a lot of versatility here where if they go up against a team with a weak interior defensive line, they can just load up like Quinnen and Sheldon Rankins on the interior rotating guys like like Vinnie Curry and, and, and Nathan Shepard in. And we forgot even about Kyle Phillips. He's another guy who got injured last year, but he's got a ton of versatility. The guy was playing defensive end and outside linebacker at one point for Greg Williams, uh, and he could play on the edge and on the interior. And John Franklin Myers is another guy that can play all over the, the defensive line as well. So this D-line, man, I think is, is really, really going to be the unsung heroes of, of this of this Jets team in 2021. Yeah, I'm right on with you, man. And they should all be fresh. Like, none of these guys should be tired as the game goes on. You know what I mean? Like, No, definitely. Like, they, again, you mentioned it before. It's going to be like that Sam Fran line before um, they had all those injuries. And I thought it was important that Mosley mentioned that a bunch of the coaches that are coming over, all have Super Bowl experience from the past five yeah. years. Yeah. And the head talk, coach and both coordinators. Yep, and so he's talking about how everybody's trying to buy into the system, and it's not hard because they have success. They know that the system yeah. that they're em- imploring right now is does work in this modern-day NFL, and I think that's a difference from the previous coaching staff. Like, Maybe Gase had some success as a quarterback's coach, but how long ago was that? When you look at his most recent team that he was on before he came to the Jets, it wasn't very successful. You know? Sal, yeah, no. Def- Sal, you know, Salah could say, 
well, look look what we did in San Fran, and this was only two years removed. And LaFleur could say, look what we did, and this was last year. Yeah, no, definitely, man. I mean, the the fact that you have coaching a coaching staff that you can trust and believe in, that definitely helps, helps buy, you know, as a player, helps you buy in even more. And so, again, I'm excited about this football team. I'm excited to watch it because I think the, the growth and the maturation that they'll have all year will be will be nice. And I think as they continue to gel, as we continue to see this team play hard, I think we'll, you know, we'll definitely have something to be proud of in that green and white, man, for, for real. Yeah, and as soon as they start winning, bro, you're going to see that confidence and start to build. And that's when the team is going to start to play better because there has been no confidence in this team in God knows how long, probably since the first year Bulls was here. 2015, yes. That was the last time I felt really confident. Actually, no. Maybe 2016, the re-up, right? When they, they were like, oh, wow, we, we did we did kind of well in 2015. I guess we kind of have to kind of have to go back at it again in 2016. And, and yeah, that was just crap. So, um, but yeah, no, nah, I feel really good. I'm excited. I can't believe it's, it's only May 29th. And uh, we are still four months out, about to be three, basically three months out from actually any NFL regular season football. And that to me is, it makes me sad. So that being said, uh, Frank, I don't think we have a closeout segment today, uh, Memorial day. So we, we want to give everybody the, the day off here, especially us. Cause you know, we're, we're working really hard, but anyways, again, enjoy the holiday, everybody. Thank you for listening. If you aren't already subscribed to the podcast or if you're not following it or if you haven't rated it and reviewed it, then make sure you do that. If you're not following us on social media, then make sure you do that as well. Um, But again, pleasure having you with us. Have a good one and we are out of here. Take care, everybody. Stay safe.